The following program is brought to you by the 511 Media Group. This program is available on iTunes, Spotify, the 511 Media Group YouTube channel, and 511mediagroup.com. Welcome back to Play It Loud. I'm Rich. Yeah, I'm Ryan. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. We are in part two. Uh, if you listened to the last episode, we are in part two of uh, bands that change lead singers. Uh, we had to do part two. There's just, there's just we might many. even not get through part two. We might have to do a part three. But there's so many bands uh, that we didn't get a chance to get through. Uh, um, you know, one that we didn't really talk about, Steel Dragon. <laughs> For all of you who have seen the movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg, I was uh, I was I was kind of begging. You were begging to do this. I want to play this song. Put it in our but top we can't. three. Do copyright. We just wanted to take it off the air. But um, yeah, it's it, it. So it's it's the original singer of Steel Dragon. I forget the guy's name. I don't in, remember. In the movie. Yeah. And then it's Mark Wahlberg, right? Because he's a fan and he goes to all the concerts and he's in a tribute band and he sings just like the. The Steel Dragon singer, right? They and put then, they put the microphone down into the crowd, right? He, and he sing, does he it, belts it out, right? And then you find out that the lead singer isn't quite what you thought he was, right? He has short hair rather than the long hair, and he's not exactly the straight, look. right? That's the best way you can put that. And everybody was a little shocked, and he walked back in, and he's like, "That's my microphone stand, or whatever it was." He just makes a big scene. And Mark Wahlberg and Jennifer Aniston are standing there like, holy shit, you know, what the hell just happened? And then Mark Wahlberg stumbles the first couple of times trying to get the track down, and then he does it, and the band says, okay, hold on a second, and then they start talking, and then he's like, so you want the gig or what, mate? <laughs> you know, yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, and so then he gets taught, you know, and then he, remember, they go on a break. Tours, right. They go on this break, and he writes all these new songs, and the guy pulls him inside, and he goes, uh, you know, like, I'm paraphrasing. He's like, you understand? Let's get something straight. Our fans expect a certain type of music to be put out. Yeah. And me, and then whatever the other guy's name is, we write the songs. You sing we the songs. We play the songs, you yeah. sing the songs. And he's like, you got it? And Mark Wahlberg's like, yeah, I got it. And so he's out on the next concert tour, right? First, first show of the new tour. Yeah. And he's out there singing. And then Miles Kennedy's in the front row, and he's belting out the songs with his six or seven octaves or whatever it is. And he gives him the microphone or tells him to get up on stage, and off in, off in the sunset he goes. Yeah. And then they cut to a period of time later, and he's cut his hair, and he's in a little coffee bar, and he's playing a guitar. And it's a great movie. Go check it out. But that's what we're talking about today yeah. is bands that have either – but that's a very, very real scenario in a lot of bands. That that happens. It's like the lead. Yes. We talked about David Lee Roth, remember, in our right. last episode. And I said David Lee Roth got bigger than the band, thought he was bigger than the band, left. <laughs> Not so much. Sammy Hagar came along. And I think Sammy Hagar didn't think he was bigger than the band, although maybe the fans thought he would. Like, hey, I like Sammy. And I think maybe that had a lot to do with why he left. Because Van Halen was like, hold on a second. We're better. We're we're the band. Sammy Hagar's just singing with us. He's the game, right? But people were like, they make you better, or he makes you better. Did you think they were better with Sammy Hagar? Hundred yes, percent. On on listening, I will debate anybody who says all right, otherwise. All right, all right. 
Yes. I mean, I would agree with you. Take, okay, take um, Hot for Teacher. Yeah. Jump. And let's see what else is on that. What's on, what else is on that um, that album besides Jump? Hot for Teacher is always my favorite. Take out two or three songs yeah. with David Lee Roth. I mean, Sammy Hagar's got the list of Van Halen songs that okay. are undeniably number one hits. I don't know. No, I, I I could see your point there. So who do we got next on the list? All right. As far as what? Of Well, we got to do first three. Oh, God. And we've right. got some liquor to drink. I, part two gets me. I, well, hey. But we got it. We got... There's a, a there certain a level of expectation. <laughs> this is a professional organization here, sir. Okay. The people at the, the the fine people at Five Eleven Media Group don't allow us to use their studio for nothing for just bullshit. Okay, there's and the people who listen to the podcast expect a certain level of professionalism from us, and they expect that when we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. Damn it! Even in Studio B, even in Studio B. So Van Halen. Okay, so going back to 1984. Okay, that was a song I was I was spacing on is Panama. Yeah. So you take out Hot for Teacher, Panama, and Jump. Now I'm going to list the names of the songs, and I just have a few songs on here. Yeah. But uh, the album 5150, right? The album OU812, Four on Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. By the way, I when that album came out, I did not realize that if you take the first uh, first letter of all four of those words, what it spelled, it didn't even dawn on me. And somebody's like, you're an idiot. Look at that. And I'm like, yeah, but how old were you? Oh, eh, well, that came out in 91, so I was 21. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, twenty one. Were you really thinking innocent. about? And it. then balance came out. Even even their latest stuff. Even balance. I mean, don't tell me what love can do in Amsterdam. Yeah, hot damn Amsterdam. I mean, come on, pound cake right now, black and blue. Why can't this be love? I mean, the hits go on forever with Sammy Hagar. So you're telling me, yeah, he's better. That's what I'm telling. You. Okay, in my opinion, sure. I M O, as the kids say. They IMO. They, my st- they still say that? I don't know. Okay. I made it up. Uh, so our first song is a new song. And um, this is by a band we're going to see uh, in April. April. Yeah. Uh, with um, So it's Smash Into Pieces. And they're going to be playing with Citizen Soldier. Uh, we, if all things go well, on Saturday we have a live interview, or not a live interview, but a, a, an interview with uh, Jake Segura, the lead singer of Citizen Soldier. I probably just, I probably just uh, jinxed it. Jinxed that. But uh, we have a uh, we have a call with him, and then, um, and we have another call on Tuesday with another band that we'll get to here in a minute. But uh, Smash Into Pieces wrote a song called Six Feet Under. And they have been around forever. One of my favorite bands. Um, but they just wrote this song, and they took it to a festival in Sweden. They're a Swedish band. And Sweden has a festival called Mela Festivalen. Melota Festivalen. M-E-L-O-D-I-F-E-S-T-I-V-A-L-E-N. Melota Festivalen Obviously, you haven't been there yet. Not. Okay. In Sweden. Um, and so they won their region for their for so they they made it to the finals basically they beat all the other regional bands or whatever it was it was a battle kind against like the an bands? american idol type thing like okay. a battle of the bands yeah. in sweden but that's probably a, it's been a it's a big deal in sweden because there's a uh, uh something called let's see here eurovision okay 
Um, and they've been doing this since the 70s. Yeah. So this is a big deal overseas. Like, there's a lot of bands in America that are huge overseas, but not huge right. here. Right. That's one of them. This is one of their, this is their first headlining tour in America. They're usually with other people like Star Set. And, well, I shouldn't say their first headlining tour. This is one of their only headlining tours that we've had in America. In America, right. They're coming. All right. right. So, so, and I don't know, and maybe we can talk to them at some point, just in regards I'd, to this specific Battle of the Bands. would love to. Do you get to the point where you're too big to do the Battle of the Bands? So that's what people kind of, that, that's where their haters are like, you guys shouldn't be doing this because you're too polished to do a Battle of the Bands right. with the common folk. <laughs> okay. But, I, but who, who gets to say that, though? I, I don't like know. We have something called the Masked Center, Singer, right, yeah. on, on Fox. Fox, yeah. There's some big name people that are big name singers that go on to that. I mean, Daughtry was on that show. So was it fair that he went up against people who don't really sing for a living? I don't think so. By the way, he didn't win American Idol or the Mass Singer. Mm. But yet, he's living life pretty good. He's doing all right. Yeah, he's doing okay. Um, so anyways, um, so anybody who doesn't know about uh, Smash Into Pieces, they're a four-piece experimental alternative rock band. That's what they call themselves. I would call them. Do they call them that? Oh, that, uh, that's what they're saying on okay. this website. Okay. Um, from Orobro, Sweden. Band's made up of uh, their lead singer, Chris Adam. Uh, then there's Benjamin Ginobo. Uh, actually, he was on Facebook the other day commenting about a few things, and he and I were interacting on Facebook. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then there's a guy named Per Berquist, and then their drummer is the Apocalypse DJ, which is what their first album was called, is the Apocalypse DJ. Okay. He's a guy that wears a mask. It's got SIP in the in the logo, and it's all either red or blue or whatever color lights up, and you don't know who he is. He's just this character that they have, kind of like Star Set, right? They Or, or what's the other one? What's the... Um, well, for all those EDM fans, Marshmallow. Daft Punk. Like Daft Punk. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, you don't know who those guys are. No. Because they don't take their masks off. Same thing with here. Um, history of the began, a band began in 20, uh, 2008. Following a jam session in 2013, the band were signed by Sony Music, released their album Unbreakable. Band reached number three in Swedish rock charts. Since then, the band has gone on to release six more albums, each critical acclaim. Uh, and then they just did this festival. Right. So um, six albums, and then they did this festival. I don't know. And they won. Well, they're winning it. They they won their section or region or whatever. And okay. going to the finals, which I think are in June, May or June. We gotta, after we they get, get done traveling. We got we to gotta stay on top of that. See if So I'm win. hoping that when we talk to Jake on Saturday, I can go, hey, Jake, um, you think we can meet you face-to-face and then bring us over to the other band and we can talk to them and <laughs> maybe get a picture with them? That'd yeah. Be great. Um, so stay tuned. I don't know if that'll happen. We'll see. Um, so... Check out Smashing the Pieces, Six Feet Under. Great song. Solid. Very solid song. Uh, the second one is an older band. It's an older band. It doesn't have to necessarily be an older song, but it's right. an older band. One of your favorites. I'll let you take this one. It was too funny because you're like, you have said this band <laughs> and that all like, these other bands. Like? Yeah, you're like, every time where you're saying, oh, who does this sound like? I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, is it Coed and Cambria? And I'm like, no. Yeah. And you're like, no. And so now, you know, they play this song. And, and of course, like my 2005 Welcome Home came out with Coed and Cambria. And that's like, well, that was my jam back then. And, uh, you know, this song, Shoulders, he played for me. And brand new song. 
2022 super, brand new. Yeah. Well, okay, well, yeah. New to you. Still new. Yeah, new to me. I was I You're I, busy. I didn't realize that they that had a new one come out. I you know, that one still starred on my Spotify. So you were stuck in your 20s with this band. Oh, I was. It's still good. I listened to Welcome Home. But you're like this is really good. This is, Shoulders was good. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's not it wasn't as um so obviously Welcome Home uh, I keep talking about that one. Go ahead and let's do it. 2005 came out. but Well, well here's their wiki. So the, yeah, I me. wanted to read this. Yeah. Um, so they're an American progressive band from Nyack, New York, formed in 1995. So they've been around a while. Yeah. Uh, the band consists of uh, Claudio Sanchez, who's the vocals, guitars, keyboards, Travis Stever. I hope I'm saying his name right. Guitars, vocals, Josh Eppard. He's the drums, keyboards, backing vocals. That's an interesting combination. And Zach Cooper, bass and backing vocals. The group's music incorporates aspects of progressive rock, pop, heavy metal, and post-hardcore. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all of their albums, except for 2015's The Color Before the Sun, are concept albums. Oh. That's what makes them interesting. That I knew. And I knew they all have concept albums. So except for that 2015 I album. I didn't realize that. They're based on a science fiction storyline called The Amory Wars, a series written by Claudio Sanchez their band member, which has been transcribed into a series of comic books as well as a full-length novel. Stop it. The band has released 10 studio albums, three live albums, and several special edition releases. Six of their albums have reached the top 10 on Billboard's charts. The band's 10th studio album, Vaxis Act 2, A Window of the Waking Mind, which is where this song is off of, was released June 24th, 2022. So the interesting thing to you is... It's basically a comic book series or a science fiction comic book series. And all of their albums that they're putting out are just continuations of them. Now, if you look at their album covers, it's very clear. That's what it is. Are you, were you a comic book guy? I'm a comic book guy. Yeah. Do you have any comic books? I have a few. Okay. I don't have any. I just didn't have, I grew up, I grew up in a very middle-class family. Yeah. And until the age of 10, I could get whatever I wanted. And after that, when my siblings came along, we were very, um, it, it, we didn't have money in the budget for comic books. Comic books. Okay. That's fair. I was a, but I was uh, an Archie guy. So, oh, okay. So I, I was, a, I was a sci-fi guy. Uh, didn't do comic books. I love Star Wars. Right. Star Wars comics. So I was, no. That so was shit. I was, this is how kind of a big a nerd I was. I read all and have all of the Animorph books. I don't know if you remember those. Mm, no. Okay. It was very similar around the same time <coughs> as Goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, people can morph into animals. It's not a big deal. So, That's so fucking weird, dude. <laughs> hey, before we get before we get too far here, what? Um, oh, let's oh. take out your seven hundred dollar bottle of whiskey. No, no, no. So we've got two. You brought one. Yeah, I thank did. you for bringing that. Yeah. Do you want me to bring out mine first, or do you want to do? Yeah, because we're let's let's do yours first. All right. And the reason being is uh, lower proof. So you always want to when we're, yeah, when start we're drinking low. these things. Okay. Yeah, we start with the lower proof first. Taking the wrapper off the. ASMR. There, the, there it is. Um, this is uh, My Lemon Green. Yeah. It's a single barrel, straight bourbon whiskey. Uh, 86 proof. Yep. The cask number is 525, and they only made, what did I say? They only made. Well, it's a single barrel, right? 280 bottles. Right. So whatever came, whatever came out of that barrel they proofed it down to 86 and 222 or whatever you said the number was. That's how many were in that yep. in that barrel. Distilled in Tennessee, bottled by Provision Spirits. 
So Blanco, when, Texas. I think we talked about this on the yep. last podcast, but when when the major players are out there for distilleries, it's <sighs> nice. Uh, if it's distilled Ooh, in Tennessee, yeah, it smells good. It is nice. Uh, it's typically dickel. Take yours, sir. Thank typically you. what? It's uh, it's the dickel, is who distills. Oh, thank I thought you. you said a something f- else. Full pour. I gave you a full pour. <laughs> I might not do a full pour. I appreciate that. But um, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> cheers myself. <laughs> How was it? Mm. Smooth. That one, I didn't get any kick in the back on that one. So the that old, one's really good. The old, well, yeah, it's eighty six proof, dude. That's really good. It it's not bad. I'm not Come a huge. On. I'm not a huge Dickel fan. And yeah, but I, this one doesn't burn your asshole. I don't. So typically, when I when I try that's Dickel, really good. Uh, I get Flintstone vitamins. Wait, say that again. So the flavor that I that comes out for me in Dickel distillate is what it's known as. Is Flintstone, Flintstone vitamin, vitamins, vitamins were awesome back in the day. Well, that's why you enjoy especially the red and purple ones. <laughs> Orange ones are not very good. No, um, this is really good. It's not bad. So I don't get a lot of the the Flintstone vitamin off this one, thankfully. <clears throat> Yabba dabba do. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. I don't mind so again, Milam and Green. Milam is that how you say it? Let's, let's see. M I L I M. Yeah. Milam and Green, single barrel. Straight bourbon whiskey, 86 proof. It's really good. It's good. Mm. It's good. Uh, 4.3 alcohol by volume. No. 4.3 or is that 43? 43. 43. Five. Yeah. Twice 86. 86. Yeah. yeah. Duh. Hello. There you go. Yeah, I'm learning. All right, so number three. Mm. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> number three is a band that we are scheduled to interview on Tuesday, Tuesday of next week, never tell. And they are based in California. I mean, uh, Florida. <laughs> they probably just listened to that one. What the fuck? Nice no, guy. They're in yeah. Florida. And, um, so if you are on TikTok, like I am, look up, never tell N E V E R T E L on TikTok, And they are a band, uh, that does basically everything themselves. They produce everything themselves, all their music videos, their, their albums, everything, they do it in-house, uh, like in a room. Yeah. I don't know if it's a bedroom or a studio or something, but they have a room that they do everything in. Most of their TikToks are in that room. But they do their practicing in a storage uh, unit, an exterior storage unit. It's pretty cool. I mean, they're stor- so we're going to get to get to know them, talk to them about their story. Um, but I really like their music. And yeah. I reached out to them, and their, uh, their agent, I guess maybe it's their agent or their – their manager, representative yeah. manager um, got back to me and said, hey, what about this date? So Tuesday's it. And so there's a song called No Reverse. Um, I think we might have done one of their songs in a previous episode, uh, which was Modify, which is my favorite song by them. Yeah. There's a song called All Good. Um, there's a song called Nice Try. All Good, if you don't know. All Good. All Good, all good songs, if you don't know their music, go check those out. Um, but this song is called No Reverse. This is really good. I really liked it too. Um, and I always, I'm going to mention something when we talk to them is they, it always, his voice always reminds me of the rapping portion. Right there. So there's two guys that yeah. sing. One does the rapping portion of it and plays the keyboards and does it. He does mainly all the mixing and producing and everything. Um, and I think he might even play the guitar. I think um, so. And then they have a drummer, they have another guitarist. 
Um, and then they have their lead singer who doesn't play the music. You know, he doesn't do the mid-school instruments. He just sings. We had that conversation in the last episode. Uh-huh. In the last episode, but um, he just sings. Um, but I don't think he comes off as this is you know no. I'm, I'm bigger than the band type of thing. No, so no, no, no. They're all young guys. They're trying to make a name for themselves, putting out great music, and they're promoting the hell out of each other. Out of their band, rather, and uh, so I just wanted to maybe do our part and try to get them a little more um, exposure I, and I, tell I their think story. They're great. I think they're great. And like I said, every time I hear them, that that rap part is always Chris Webby, the uh, the rapper. Yeah, you were saying that before. I think we we did modify. Yeah, you might have said that. So yeah, well, that's I, ke- I kept coming back to that. It like, just gave me an sure? opportunity to talk about the yeah. upcoming interview. So I don't know when that'll come out. What where in the episodes that'll come out? Uh, we're gonna fall, we're right. gonna be doing a. Um, a uh, a video portion of that um, of that and well, it's going to be all video, sure. But we'll be able to put that on YouTube on our YouTube channel, and then um, we'll Actually have the download to download the audio right. right exactly. So we'll kind of break that up, and we'll do a regular episode where we'll do our first three, and we'll do you know happy hour like we're doing now, um, and then we'll get into the uh, interview, and then after that we can kind of come back and recap that interview. So for everybody, um, we're going to figure out how to do that because we don't normally videotape these. Um, you know, I have any, have any video footage of our, of our podcast shenanigans. Correct. People would just be like, what the fuck with those two guys? <laughs> um, couple of low couple cocktails of, and microphones. Yeah. They're like, okay. Um, I mean, if you looked at the desk right now, we've got liquor all over the, <laughs> all over the table. I've got notes all over the table. I got my computer up here, but, um, so it's probably not video worthy, but we're going to have to do it for those, at least those. Every time we have an interview, we're probably going to have to yeah. do a video portion for everything. So we'll figure out how to do that. And um, I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be really good. So Smash Into Pieces, we did that because it gave me an opportunity to talk about Citizen Soldier, which we've got that coming up. And then Never Tell, we've got that coming up as well. So there was a there was a, uh, got a, some a things rhyme in the to my reason. Right. So, uh, so getting back into... Artists. Bands where their lead singer left. Yep. Replaced. Maybe come back. Are they better? Are, are they, they worse? better? Are they worse? That sort of thing. Remember Black Flag? No. Okay. So uh, Black Flag was a um, rock band back in, back in the day. Um, early 80s, like late 70s, early 80s. Okay. And God, a guy I'm named glad Keith I said no. Morris. What's that? God, I'm glad I said no. You yeah. know what happens when people go, yeah, yeah, I've heard of them. And all of a sudden, you know, you say... 70s and 80s, and I'm like, well, I, was born I think when in you see a guy in a black flag T-shirt, you're like, he's fucking old. Yeah. Um, but you know who Henry All uh, Henry Rollins is, right? Yeah. Okay. So Henry Rollins then replaced Keith Morris in '81 okay. until 1986. He was the lead singer of Black Flag, and then went on to start the Rollins Band. Oh, okay. That's why I brought up Black Flag. That would make sense. I figured okay. you would know Henry yes. Rollins, and I a lot of people probably know Henry Rollins from his acting career versus his singing career. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, right. Um, so, and he was in the he, he did the Rollins band from eighty seven to two thousand and three, and then again in two thousand and six. I guess they took a break, and then back in two thousand and six. And I don't know if they're doing anything currently. It says current, but well, I'm not sure that just means they haven't current. broke up. It's a band called Faith No More. Yeah, I know them. Epic. Yeah, is probably their most popular album. Um, so for the first two albums, a guy named Chuck Mosley was their lead singer, and then. In 1989, uh, Mike Patton uh, replaced him, and there's a uh, there's a new song out. Uh, I gotta find this, and I just heard it the other day. Um, there's a new song out by uh, a very recent band that has the lead singer from 
uh, in Living Color. Oh, it's um, Fire from the Gods. Oh, they yeah. re-released Thousand Lifetimes with um, the newest singer for. Uh, no, I have that wrong. That's uh, not Faith No More. It's Living Color. My Living bad. Color. Yes. My bad. Anyway, Living Color is another band from about the same genre. Um, that guy, Corey Glover, he does a um, duet, if you will, uh, with Fire from the Gods. Okay. I had those mixed up, but Faith No More, epic, one of the best albums ever. Yes. Right? Um, Living Color, also epic from the 1990s, early 1990s. Yeah. 93? Um, let me look that up. I've got both of those. Um, so... But I found it interesting that some people don't know that there are... The reason we're doing this is when you listen to a band, do you know when they change singers? Is it is it really that obvious? Or do they, try to, do they try to hire somebody that sounds like the other guy? Steel Panther. Well, and so I think going back, and ironically, Miles Kennedy, um, I think there's two bands that I can think of. Like we one we already talked about, Three Days Grace. I think there was a pretty distinct differential vocal uh, disparity between the two. Like you could tell this is not the same person anymore. Um, it's same thing with, you know, I know, I, I don't know if you're going to bring this up. I didn't take a look at the show notes here, but Creed, when they broke up and they started one of your favorite bands, Alter Bridge. Alter Bridge, that's right. That, of course, they don't sound anything like what they used to. Um, and of course, Scott Stapp has his own own band and own sound. And so I really think it comes back down to who do you prefer? Battered Wolves, you really like Tommy Vex. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for me, I always go towards the vocals. Uh, so I actually prefer Three Days Grace, the older stuff. I really enjoy Creed. I, now, again, I love Miles Kennedy. So I think that's a little bit different. Um, I, I don't know. I think I think depending on if the band stayed the same course that they were going in as far as the rock was concerned or the sound was concerned, uh, or if they went off and do a completely different path, if they enjoy that. So if you don't know who Faith No More is, go listen to their 1989 album, Epic, and listen to the song Falling to Pieces. Yeah. That's probably their most popular song. Yeah. I'm going to get it. I mean, and it still Epic. gets played. And Epic. It still gets played. Right. Yeah, all the time. Um. Let's see. So Rage Against the Machine. So here's one of those things where you research and you go, I didn't know that. Right. Okay. From the category of I didn't know that. So a guy named Zach De La Roca was their original lead singer until about October of 2000. Then in 2001, Chris Cornell joined them in studio oh. for an album. And that is what caused them to change their name from Rage Against the Machine to Audio Slave. And they did three albums until Cornell left in 2007. So I didn't realize that he just didn't leave. I didn't know. I, as much as I know about both of those bands, I didn't, I, I didn't know. I had no idea. Huh. People are like, how the fuck do you not know that? Right. I, I just, I, you know the bands, you know the names, you right. know the songs. I just, again, that's why I like doing this topic because I learn a lot. Let me tell you about this. About music history. And I appreciate you doing a little bit more of the research on this one. Uh, I, I definitely didn't know that. And at that at that stage of the game, I was in I was in high school. So I just I wasn't as big into it. So here's another one that 
is interesting from the way from the fact that they changed their name. So Sublime. Yeah. Sublime broke up in 1996. Yep. Um, the reason they broke up in 1996 is because Brad Noel, who was their lead singer, died. Which happens. Yep. In rock. Happens, More often than not. Right? Yeah. In 2009, a fan of the band, his name is Rome Ramirez or Romy Ramirez. Um, he joined the band and became the lead singer. Sounds like Seal Panther. Sounds like <laughs> Seal Panther. <laughs> yeah. Now you, now you understand why I brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, Brad's family, Brad Noel's family, said, you can't use the name Sublime. Oh, no. We don't want you to use it. We don't know if Brad would have wanted this, so no, you can't. Okay. See so how they get around it? They now call themselves Sublime with Romy or Sublime with Rome. Yeah. I'm okay with that. And are, I guess legally they can do that. Are you, I mean, do you think that that is? I, I think it's still kind of doing it in getting around it, and you didn't just change the name. Sure. I think it's kind of a chicken shit way to do it. But you think so? Yeah, I think so. If the family doesn't want you to use it, I think you honor their wishes. Don't you? Uh, yeah. It uh, would be on. like is Foo it... Fighters saying Nirvana Grohl. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going back and forth And if this. Courtney Love was like, I have that right, right? Right. Yeah. If I have, yeah. She was like, no, it. I don't want you to use that. And I want you to use Nirvana. Right. And they went Nirvana Grohl. So she might have said, look, I don't want you to use it because I don't know what Kurt would have wanted. And so they go, okay, we're Foo Fighters. They said if you didn't kill him, it wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Yoko. Um, okay, so that's Sublime, which, again, I didn't know. You know what? Uh, so here's here's my thoughts on it. My guess is they wanted to stay Sublime because they wanted to – continue making money off that recognition right because that's what that's why a band would stay that actual band name and then just use the lead singer or the who the new lead singer is if they if they go into a completely new name change i think it's going to be an issue you have to go all the way back get all the marketing and try to try to do everything all over again and now you're in the hole as opposed to out in front of this right yeah i could see that um Dropkick Murphys. Do you know who they are? God, yeah. Okay. So um, they've had an, they had a lead singer change. Okay. So there's not much about it um, uh, where I was trying to research it. I'm going to go back to Wiki for a second. But um, Out of Ireland, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I couldn't find the research, and I ask a question about the research. Uh, this, this was on you. You were supposed to do this one. Mm. Uh, Dropkick Murphys. Okay. Are an American Celtic punk band formed in Quincy, Massachusetts. So, no. Celtic. Celtic, Celtic. Same, same. You see this? <laughs> yeah. I got four I'm more. Number, I'm number one? I got four yeah, more okay. down this way, pal. <laughs> um, singer and bassist. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Um, so, they were led by a gentleman named... Mike McColgan. Okay. That was their lead singer. He was there from 96 to 98. Um, so he was their singer. Ken Casey was their uh, bassist vocalist, guitarist Rick Barton, and drummer Jeff Erna, who would be replaced in the next year by Matt Kelly. 
Oh. Um, the band okay. was named after Dr. John Dropkick Murphy's alcohol detoxification facility. I did not know that. The Dropkick Murphys first started playing in a basement of a friend's barbershop and soon began to tour and record. They received their first big break, big break when the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones selected them as the opening act for their 1997 tour in support of their album, Let's Face It. Okay. After putting out a series of EPs, this is again from Wiki, uh, they signed. They were signed by Hellcat Records in 1997. In 1998, they released their first full-length album, Do or Die, which was produced by Rancid's Lars Fredrickson. Lead singer Mike McCaldron left the band in 98 during the middle... <laughs> it's interesting. During the middle of a U.S. tour with The Business. According to Mike, he wanted to follow in the footsteps of his uncle and join the Boston Fire Department, which he eventually would do in 2001. Oh, what else happened in 2001? A little the band get, 9/11. <laughs> the, wow. It always comes back on this podcast for some reason. <laughs> it brings it right down. The band gave a different explanation for his departure. In the liner notes of their 1998 seven-inch release, Curse of a Fallen Soul, we'd like to take this time to officially, quote-unquote, we'd like to take this time to officially let you know that Mike McColgan, our former lead singer, has quit the band. We apologize to anyone who was a fan of Mike as our singer. However, contrary to popular rumor, he did not leave the band to join the fire department. Oh. Mike left the band because he's no longer interested in being a member of this band or the movement of which we are a part of. The band goes on to explain in their music that it's very serious to them and that it did not feel right having a singer who was going through all of those emotions. Even Mike felt that the band deserved a singer who was emotionally invested in the music. Mike would later return to the punk scene in 2002 as the singer of a band called The Street Dogs. Okay. So that's the Dropkick Murphys. Real quick, when um, I was in... And oh, by the way, he was replaced by a gentleman named Al Barr. Okay. Wait, when I was in Ireland, uh, I was in Dublin and I was talking talking to people, naturally. And uh, we, were in a, naturally. We, were, we were in a pub and... I, I was like, hey, do you guys like Dropkick Murphys? Do you like Flogging Molly? And they were like, no. I was like, what do you mm. mean, no? And they're like, they took all our songs and they just went over and American, Americanized? Americanized them. Americanized it. Yeah, and I was like, well, wait, wait, wait. Like, isn't that, isn't that bringing the culture to America and then supporting Ireland and its music and its culture? And they were like, yeah, no, we don't care. I was like, oh, okay. And I, you know, I quickly changed the subject. By the way, real quick, I know I'm going to bring it down again. Did you know that it's not an Irish car bomb there? It's a baby Guinness. <laughs> you do not order an Irish car bomb in Ireland. I, I did not know that. But okay. I'm not a big Guinness fan, so I wouldn't have known that. All right, that's fair. I don't like drinking beer. People are like, what the fuck? He doesn't like beer. I just think it's bitter. I like the sweeter stuff, that's as fair. you know. That's fair. But I also don't like warm beer. And a true Guinness, yeah. Guinness fan drinks it warm. Yeah. We don't serve it warm over here. No. No, people would riot. Car bomb. Maybe. Um, Alice in Chains. Yeah. We're getting into a lot of older bands in this. In this That's okay. You know, historical episode. Well, people um, forget about some of these. Well, I think what we have to keep in mind is all of these bands led to what we are in today. Oh, easily. Right, so one built off the other, built off the other, built off the other, and they paved the way for what we currently have because we went from certain bands being like the Bee Gees were considered and the Beatles were considered 
hard rock. Like, oh my God, <laughs> yeah. they're going to take over the world and people are going to lose their fucking minds. Right. And now we listen to the Beatles in an elevator and go, oh, nostalgia. Yeah. So Classic rock. Right. Those bands, Asia, Journey, um, Sticks, Kansas, which we're going to get to, all those bands paved the way for, I don't care who you are or what you think, they all paved the way for then Van Halen, then Pink Floyd, then even Journey, yeah. right? Um, all of the bands that came, Bon Jovi, all of those bands that came up in the 80s, Duran Duran. I think Duran Duran probably was even considered a rock band at that point. Not anymore. No. And they are going on tour, by the way. I don't, um, hey, let's put it this tickets way. Tickets are fucking expensive. Let's assume in the 90s, I mean, let's just say uh, in the 80s, any of the hairbangers that are out there, do you? can you imagine going from hairbanger and then nothing in between, nothing, and then Slipknot? I just don't think they would have survived. That's my point. That's why I and brought so, this up. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a step. It has to be a progression. It has to. You right? would never get there. It's kind of like, and I'm going to use this, and this is a really bad example, but I'm going to bring it up because I think it's apropos. Okay. Fancy word, which means, what does apropos mean? Relative to, mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm paraphrasing. But it's kind of like in the 80s and the 90s when Will and Grace was on television. Oh, good one. Yeah. And people were like, oh, there's a gay character on television? Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. And then there was another and another. And then Ellen came out and there was a huge uproar. On, but now, not only we, did we go from maybe the late 80s, early 90s of having Will and Grace and Ellen and a few people coming out and saying, hey, it's okay to be gay, first of all, and it's okay sure. that we're inclusive of these people. And, you know, the gay community was fighting for at least just recognition. Like, right. look, just recognize that we We're could here. love somebody else. Yeah. Right? It doesn't have to necessarily be the opposite sex. We could actually love both sexes. Sure. Okay? We could be bi. We could, whatever. And then more movies came out, and it became more socially acceptable. And then pretty soon, you have transgender, and you have what we have today. And so that paved the way. Sure. You couldn't just go from howdy doody. <laughs> <laughs> and and Barney Five, to what we have now, no, and what people are you know people what uh, people are experiencing now. You couldn't go from there to there. No, along the way, you have to ease into it. And you're right. We couldn't have gone from. We couldn't have gone from Pink Floyd to Slipknot. No, you have to have all of these steps in the way and kind of condition people to this other type of music, because when you listen to, um, like the end of my darkest days. Yeah. So from 2014, we did that in the last podcast um, as the older band. He screams at the end of that song. Well, screaming is in almost in every hard rock, heavy metal, metal song now. Some to some degree. I'm not, I'm not talking hardcore, heavy, hardcore metal. No. I'm talking about mainstream octane stuff you listen on on octane or even some of the rock stations. You know your local rock station. There's some screaming in there. And eventually, there's going to be more. And then eventually, there's going to be, it's going to be more acceptable. Because that's what happens. We just condition people. We ease into it. Yeah. Right? And, I, and I don't think, I, and I know there are some people out there that are like full-on metalheads that, you know, scream all day long. And it, it is, it, I, hands down, I believe that in order to scream slash sing at the same time, there's an art to it. I, I just, it's not for Certainly. me. Certainly. We're going to go see a band called... Crown the Empire. Yeah. 
That's okay. a good one. They do some screaming. They have one singer that does the singing, and they have one singer that does the screaming. Sure. Right? But we've gone from Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath and Anthrax and Megadeth in the 80s and 90s to that. Sure. But you couldn't have had that back in the 80s and no. 90s. No. Nobody I, would have listened to it. No. And I don't think it's... I, I also, to even go further... Um, when uh, a Mr. A certain individual started shaking his hips, and now the, nobody was doing that at the time, and he came out and he started. I, would you Are you say, talking about Elvis? Yeah. Would you say he kind of started rock and roll in that sense? I mean, you know, because every time it I think of Elvis, I think of Eddie Murphy's impression of Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> the lemonade. Yeah, lemonade. But do you think so? That was someone who came out. Wasn't doing anything like anyone else. Now I don't. I also don't think that Slipknot could have came out back then. But I think parents worked. were like, everybody's losing their fucking mind over this guy. Okay, right? Yeah. And so that was part. Like it was the Beatles back then. It was sure. all of that. Sure. It was changing music at that point because it wasn't just. It wasn't about the music anymore. It was about the production. It was about the show. Yes, if you will. Okay. And now you go to a concert. If you go to a concert and the four guys in the band just stand there and they don't put on a show, you're like, well, that was pretty fucking boring. That'd the music might have been good. That that was Counting Crows. Garbage. <laughs> but you got to put on a show. Yes. Right? Like, I've seen Five Finger Death Punch numerous times. Yeah. They put on a fucking show. And you don't need pyro. Well, they have it. We, they had it. And they have right. the whole, they have, um, in their one of their previous tours, they had a big skull. Sure. That lit up with red eyes and all the smoke came out of it and everything. This last one, they had the snake from the infinity snake That's from, cool. from, from F what was it? F eight. Yeah. Right. And so that was pretty cool. Um, but they put on a show. I'm sure insane pound class, uh, insane ICP, clown yeah. posse probably puts on a show to with their jugglers. Right. Kiss. Yeah. They're probably one of the bands, rock bands that came along. And we're like, you know what? We might not have the best music in the world, but we're going to put on a fucking show. Yeah, we're going to make the money worth it. Right. So you're going to come to our shows because you want to see it. You don't care about the music so much. Although Detroit Rock City, whatever. Okay. Right. But we're going to put on a show for you. And so Gene Simmons gets in a costume and puts makeup on his face and wears, you know, platform, platform boots yeah. and puts on a demon outfit <laughs> and puts on a show. Right. Best marketing band it's of all unbelievable. time. Unbelievable. Yeah. So we've gone, there's, there's, we go from where we were to where we are and there's steps along the way, of course. And my whole point to that is we have to ease into it. Yeah. Right. So that's why, that's it. why we're going through some of these older right. bands. Right. So, um, so we talked about Alice in Chains, right? Yeah. So Alice in Chains is one of those older bands. Um, they are out of Seattle, Washington. Now, not much lately is good coming out of Seattle, Washington. No. But uh, they uh, were formed in 1987, a year before I graduated high school. That shows how old I fucking am. Um, we're very different in age. Yes. You're I was born in 87. You graduated. <laughs> 88. <laughs> so 17-year difference, but yeah. you wouldn't know it. No. I was telling you the other day, when I'm listening to these back, and you listen to, you listen to your own voice on a recording, it sounds different than actually your voice is in reality. In, yeah. I sometimes can't tell the difference between our voices. Which is kind of funny. Other people will be like, I can tell when he's talking and I can tell when Ryan's talking. But it's interesting because sometimes we're talking over each other. Sure. I can't tell who's talking. It's pretty funny. Um, But 1987, 
they had a, a gentleman named Lane Staley, and he was their vocalist. Okay. And then he died. This is a very common theme. He died in 2002. So 2002. Is it? He died. Okay. Um, and then they um, didn't do anything until 2005. Uh, there's a gentleman named William Duvall, and he came and sang for them in the reunion tour, and they've been doing everything since then with him. Um, were you a big Alice in Chains fan? Yeah. Okay. Never really got into them. Seen them in concert. Really? Yep. No shit. Probably with the new guy. I would yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right, because you would only have been five. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was a little young when that happened. I did not see the OG. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um. So the reason I bring up Alice in Chains is there's a theme here going of people died, die, died, <laughs> died. Had to replace the singer. Died. Hold on. Do you think? Do you think it's okay to continue a band? Like what? It, how much time is enough time for you to continue making music with the same guys, and you go out and find a. Well, how long between Nirvana and Foo Fighters? They keep coming back. I, I know. I know. I, know. Uh, I, I think it was. I want to say it was three years. All right. Let's let's take a look, please. Yeah. So Nirvana. Um, Hold on, Nirvana band. <laughs> I just no. I just put in Nirvana, and it was like, because um, I, I think I've seen some interviews with with artists where they say it's part of my healing process. So they were a band till nineteen ninety four. Okay, yeah, but when did he? he right, I'm looking right. to see when he actually died. Oh, okay, so he died in ninety ninety four? Question mark. Yeah, 94. Okay. He died in 94. All right, Foo Fighters. Um, and then, let's see here. Cobain's death drew international attention and became a topic of public fascination. This is Wiki again. Uh, public fascination and debate. Within hours, stocks ran low of Nirvana's records in stores. Nirvana sales rose dramatically in the United Kingdom. Unused tickets for the Nirvana concerts sold for inflated prices on the used market. The inflation was triggered by the manager of Brixton Academy, who lied on BBC Radio 1 that fans were purchasing tickets as a piece of history in order to retain the money he stood to lose from the ticket refunds. A public vigil for Cobain was held on April 10, 1994, at a park at Seattle Center, drawing approximately 7,000 mourners, followed by a final ceremony on May 31, 1999. Um, they had plans for a live album that was canceled. Um, as Grohl found assembling the material so soon after Cobain's death emotionally overwhelming. Instead, in November 94, uh, he released the MTV Unplugged performance in New York. It debuted, it debuted at number one on Billboard's charts and earned Nirvana a Grammy for Best Alternative Music Album. Wow. So that was post-mortem, right? Is that post-mortem? Yeah. Is that right? Um, it's followed by Nirvana's first full-length live video, Live Tonight, sold out in, 1990, in 1996. The live album from the, uh, from the Muddy Banks of the Wickshaw became the third consecutive Nirvana release to debut at the, Billboard, at the top of the Billboard charts. In 94, 94, Grohl founded Foo Fighters. Yeah, but when, all right, but when's the first album come out? Good question. So just because he found... "Quote unquote founded." Well, let's take found. a look. Foo Fighters on Wiki. Well, it says '94 to the present. Let's see when their first album came out. So they did some background, first demos, formation, and debut album. Girl formed a band to support the album. He spoke to Nirvana bassist Chris 
Novel, Nova Selleck, right? Yeah. But joining the group, they decided against it. Girl said he would have felt really natural uh, for them to work together. But it would have been weird for the others, and and it would have placed more pressure on Grohl. Instead, he recruited bassist Nate Mendel and drummer William Goldsmith, both, both of the recently disbanded Seattle group Sunny Day Real Estate. Nirvana touring car, uh, guitarist Pat Smear joined as a second guitarist. He licensed the album to Capitol Records, releasing it on his new label, Roswell Records. They made their live public debut on February 23rd, 1995. So I would say 95, right? Yeah, but so the, it was released July 4th, 1995. And he died when? He had died in 94, beginning of 94. Okay. So a year. About a year. I mean, it takes, it takes a good while to create a record. So it almost sounds pretty pretty quick. Um, oh, I didn't know this. So the show on March 3rd. So um, Foo Fighters made their live public debut on February 23rd at Jambalaya Club in Arcata, Arcata, California. Arcata. Followed by A-R-C-A-T-A. Oh, no. Okay. Arcata. I know there's Arcadia, but okay. it's Arcata, I think. Arcata, maybe. Yeah. Followed by performance at uh, some festival, I can't pronounce that name, in Portland on March 3rd, and the Velvet Elvis in Seattle on March 4th. The show on March 3rd had been part of a benefit gig for the investigation of the rape and murder of git singer Mia Zapata. Oh. Did not know that. Did not know. Grohl refused to do interviews on tour uh, or tour large venues to promote the album. They undertook their first major tour in the spring of 95, opening for Mike Watt. The band's first single, This Is A Call, was released in June of, of 1995, and its debut album, Foo Fighters, was released the next month. So it was released in July of 95. Okay. I'll Stick Around for All the Cows. Of, yeah, for All the Cows. And Big Me were released on subsequent singles. The band spent the following months on tour, including their first appearance at the Reading Festival in England in August of that year. I'm just saying that was I that was a that was a quick turnaround, very quick. To to releasing your own Do you album. think they might have done that to keep the momentum going from Nirvana even though they didn't want to call it Nirvana? It'd be Nirvana with Grohl. <laughs> Nirvana Grohl. Nirvana Grohl. Right. I mean, you don't know all the backstory and everything that sure. kind of went behind that and it's not listed here, but I'm sure there was conversations between the band, or at least Dave, Dave, right, and Courtney. I'm because she probably owned the rights at that. No. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. She had to have. She had to have. I'm assuming. I don't know because this I, for I bet. Fact. I bet he owned. Like he owned it. Kurt, he died. Kurt. Kurt. Well, and Kurt it might passed. have been a co compilation or a, a collaboration, if if you will, between sure. Dave and 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 Kurt. Maybe. Right. Well, and then to release it and get the Grammy, Dave definitely was a big part of that right because he did the live session correct that's what they got the grammy off mm -hmm. of. they recorded it all already and he did he remaster it or he just he put just it all together it. yeah i'm sure they had it. already well mtv probably put it together produced it well, i'm guessing right okay i'm i'm assuming yeah it's interesting so we have this conversation that keeps coming up on a lot of different podcasts that we do food about fighters. nirvana and food fighters <laughs> This is kind of why I'm like uh, Nirvana over Foo Fighters because it, Nirvana just stopped because of Cobain's death. Right. But they were doing... They were on a trajectory. They were doing really well yeah. before he died, and they did better after he died. Is that because Dave released it? Well, 
but they had already produced everything, right? They had already done the album. They had already done the live performance. They had already done all of that. Sure. So that was already in the can, so to speak. And then they just released it, and right? Technical yeah. term. Yeah. Um, and so they released it, and they actually became more popular. Figure that out. Like, what band, that's another issue, or another topic, is what band became more popular after they broke up or after the singer died or after they disbanded or whatever. I mean, we could, we could find that out. We could do the research, research on that. But are there bands that are more popular today, even though they're not together? Right. I, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Is, is anything triggering? Iron Maiden. I could see that, but I don't think it's, um, I'm thinking of another band, but I can't, I, um, Judas Priest. Okay, yeah, I'd, I'd give you that one. Here's another question, and I was I was watching an interview um, the other day. Uh, I forget what band it was. Um, would it, did it matter that he came out as gay? Who? Judas Priest, lead singer. Mm, no. And I did don't people so. really care back then? No, I think, I mean, I think it was one of those things he came out and everyone just kind of said, okay, and then just kept listening. I think it, I, I think uh, no, it was you know a, what? I was, I was listening to a pod, it was um, Rogan's podcast. He was talking about um, the song. Hold on. I could tell you, I could tell you the song he was, it was a very interesting take on it. Um, let's see, Judas Priest. He was like, a buddy of mine had this song that was kind of like his song and he always sang this song and then he didn't realize that it was about, uh, I think it was a, you got another thing coming. Okay. And he's like, that's my song. You got another thing coming. And then he didn't realize that it might not have been written the way you think it was written. Oh, oh, that was kind of his take. Like, Ooh, I wonder if it was kind of tongue in cheek, like, Hey, you got another thing coming and then came out and I just, I just found it interesting. I don't think fans of Judas Priest really cared either way. No, they just liked the music. But I think it was also at a time at when he did come out that it was it's it more was, socially acceptable. Yeah, if Would, he'd have done it, I don't know. That's an interesting was in question. The, it was in the nineties, right? I think so. But even then, it was kind of those. If if I want to say in our culture, even if someone did come out, as long as they weren't parading around about it and they just said, "Hey, I'm gay," I think everyone was like, "Okay." and just kept going at it. Like, they weren't asking questions. Nobody was really getting upset about it. I don't think it was celebrated like it is today. People, who do you think is the most flamboyant? And I don't use flamboyant in, in derogatory ways. Right. Yeah. Who do you think is the most flamboyant rock and roll singer of all time? And I'm going to give you mine. I think Queen. it's Freddie, Mer Freddie Mercury. Would you agree? Yeah. So my point to that is, do people really care what he was, whether he was straight, gay, bi, whatever? Do you Ooh, think it really matters? Hold on, hold on. Do you think... Wait, I, I actually said that way too fast. It's either Freddie Mercury or it's going to be... <sighs> no, it's probably Freddie Mercury. I'm, I'm, I, I, w I would say Mick Jagger maybe might be number two. Yeah. Or David Lee Roth. Flamboyant. Flamboyant. And I don't, again, not in a derogatory sense. Maybe flamboyant isn't the right word. I think it's the right word. Well, I mean, said Freddie Mercury pretty quick because he is, he came out as bi or gay or. 
Right, but he was just very flamboyant in right. a way. In the way that maybe George Michael was flamboyant. But I think flamboyant is a term. I use that term in a manner of they put on costumes and they All right, well, danced then, around I the mean, stage. And it was just very flamboyant. Freddie Mer- Mercury or Elton John? Oh, Freddie Mercury. Still Freddie? Okay. I think so. Because Elton John is very talented. But I don't know if he's as talented a singer as Freddie Mercury. He's maybe a more talented musician. Okay. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Right. It's hard to be flamboyant like Liberace maybe on the piano. <laughs> I would say flamboyant <laughs> as far as that's concerned. Liberace was probably yeah. more flamboyant than... All right. That's fair. Um, It's just an interesting question. I, I, I've been having a couple of conversations, not planned conversations, about kind of the state of society these days and the state of society being kind of what is more socially acceptable. Like we talk about trans and we talk about bi and we talk about hetero. We talk about all these things and all of these things are being either taught in our school or thought people are teaching them in, you know, in the schools systems and people are going private schools and all, all of these things that we wrestle with as parents, as, as society. And then I look at it from a rock and roll standpoint and I don't think people give a shit. Honestly, I don't think is it good music. I'll listen. Right. Like, do you fucking care what the guy is? I don't think I don't think anybody cares. In fact, I think if you if it's questioned, it they probably like it more. No, no bad, no press, no bad press is correct. Yeah, I mean, if you found out today that a guy that you thought was gay is straight, or vice versa, would it matter to you? If it was a good friend of yours, would would you care? No, right. I think we treat rock music the same way. I don't think we treat every subject that way. No, but I think we treat rock music that way because we enjoy the music. Some people might walk away from it. I'm sure some Judas Priest fans walked away from it and went, oh, I'm never listening to that again. I, I don't know. I don't know that they did, though. Right? Well, I don't think anyone walked away from Queen. I don't think anybody walked away from Elton John. How on the nose was the name of that band? Okay. Then? Yeah, well, yes. Right? And who, did anybody really even think about that when it came out? Did you watch the uh, the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the documentary. Oh, documentary is pretty fucking good. Too. Oh, really? I I think it's a Netflix. It's pretty good. Jeez, I'll have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, it's then. unbelievable. Okay. Everything that... Um, oh, it was on the nose. Because he transitioned. And I don't use transition in that um, in that term. Right. I'm meaning he transitioned from what you might have thought was a very straight-laced rock singer yeah. to more flamboyant as the days went on. Well, a performer. He became a performer. A f- yeah, right. It was more about the performance than it was maybe about the music. Sure. But look who they have now. Who has Queen has Adam Lambert. Oh God, that's talk right. about flamboyant. That's right. Right? Actually I and actually I like Adam. And he Adam does Lambert. a great job. Yeah. It's kinda like how Journey's singer, I forget what the guy's name is. I totally forgot Adam Lambert. Um, but Adam out. Lambert is now and he's just put out a new album. Um, Adam Lambert's putting out a as new a album. Yeah. as an individual. As an individual. Yeah. But he's been touring with Queen, and that's on part of the documentary that they're doing is Adam Lambert's involvement. And they went to him and asked him if he would be in the band. And I think at first, and correct me if I'm wrong, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at first he was like, "Mm, I don't know about that. I I don't think I can fit. I I don't think I can fill his shoes. And it wasn't a, we're not looking to fill the shoes. 
that's kind of what they said is yeah. we want you to do your own thing and we think you're going to be successful at doing it. Who's the guy that's playing with Grateful Dead right now? Great guitarist. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. Oh, God, everyone's you yelling. Me. Everyone's yelling into the microphone on this one. Um, I can tell you it's not. Who? Oh. He's <laughs> got great ice cream, though. <sighs> you're killing me. Um, Grateful I'm not making light of his death. I'm just... I feel like I should be playing the Jeopardy music. Oh, I'm sorry. Grateful That's okay. Dead. I mean, there's nothing like. They're not kind of. He's no, got he's no got, air like dead air. No, hold on. He's he's got um. He's got an album about uh, walking the halls as a uh, as a freshman. God, you said Grateful Dead, right? Yeah, Grateful Dead. John Mayer. I didn't pull it up, but just really? came into my yeah. He's playing with them. Shoeless. No shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I hear he's great. I mean, I, he's always Look, been. A, I like John Mayer. He's always been a great he's, guitarist. He, he's kind of a prick to women. That's all I've heard. But he's got a great voice. Yeah, and he's very talented. Yes. I mean, his first again. I think he's one of those guys. His first album was his best album. I would agree with that. I would agree. I mean, come on. The list. Go, uh, you you go down the list of that the songs on that album. I don't know if there's a better. I shouldn't say that. I was going to say, I don't know if there's a better first album, but it's a solo artist. Yeah, as a solo artist. Maybe Adele. I don't know. Maybe her second album is better. But as a solo artist, you're probably in the top five or ten of best first albums as a as a solo, as a solo artist. All right. Hold on. Hold on. This is a good question. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you done? No, I was done. Okay, okay. So would you rather, I got to love would you rather, mm-hmm. but would you rather hit the top of the charts one time and then have everything else be like outside the top 50. I guess we could go back and ask dead or alive or <laughs> or be mid- me around middle of the road 20 all day long you can't ever crack the top I, 20. I think as a musician you would probably say the latter because you have a long your career it's has longevity. longevity. But if you are looking for fame, you probably say number 1. Okay. Right? What would you do? I would take number two. <laughs> because because over time, yeah. you're going to make more money. Yeah. You're going to be more successful. You're going to have a long career. Yeah. You're going to make more music. You're, you're doing what you love to do, which is make music. And I hope that people do it because they love doing it, not for the fame. You just happen to get famous, fine. Sure. But there's a lot of struggling artists out there that are doing it because they love to. And the interview that we're going to have on with Citizen Soldier, that's part of what he talks about is that you know it's exp- we, we had a whole podcast on how expensive it is to tour yeah right he talks about that um in previous interviews he's like it's really expensive and they have not gone overseas and they have not done a lot of the tours and the opportunities that came along because it's really expensive the thing that he said um and and i'm going to ask him about this he said in an interview uh in 2020 in 2021 he said there's a lot of bands that we would know, a lot of big bands that we would know that go overseas and do huge tours over in Europe and Asia and everything, and they break even. Oh, my gosh. Or lose a little bit of money. On the on the tour, but mm-hmm. does that bolster their record sales? So that's that was his point. He's like, but you do it because then you it's that it allows you the next opportunity and the next opportunity and the next opportunity. Sure. So which goes along with your question of what would you rather have? And I think you would rather have the longevity in the career of 
we may not be the most known group out there. Sure. We may not have the most hits, but we've had a long career. Right? Yeah. I, I would rather do it for 10 years than one year or longer than I mean, a few what are years. Some, what are some bands I mean, any that aren't the at the top of their profession, but you would say they've had a really long career? I would argue Theory of a Dead Man's one of those bands. I would, I would take one a step further and a notch down and say Trapped. I would disagree. What? Trapped is a one-hit wonder. No. Oh, if you maybe. don't know Trapped, if you're not a fan of the band, I'm not looking at this as of. Uh, so you're saying, okay, I they see. They have one song. Headstrong. Yes, sir. It was good. It still is good. It was ruined by NASCAR, <laughs> yeah. which I'm a NASCAR fan. Oh, gosh, that's right. I always forget that because I don't watch as much. Right. But they have so many albums out. Hold on. I think, I think they have five albums. Minimum. I think it's minimum five. And I think, and I think, um, Theory of a Dead Man has less. Oh God, there's nothing new. Oh yeah, 2021 or 2020. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, there's a couple of live ones in here. There might I think Adelita's Way, eight. Um, Adelita's Way only's got three albums. I want to say out. I would still say that they've had a. Really good Blackstone Cherry. Oh, Black. They're so good. I'll give you them. They're okay. so good. So that's a, I would say they're a tier above Trapped. Not mm. not by, it's a half a step. I think they're way above them. You think they're way I, above? I, I, I do. All right, all right. Let's let let's run with them. How many how many do they have out? Who's that? Uh, Blackstone Cherry. Somewhere in I'm the. I'm going to say five. Five? I, but I, I don't, I don't know. Six, let's see. But it's One, right around two, three, four, and what, five. And what was their first one at? Six, six albums. Seventh is coming out. What's that? What was their first one at? Uh, the Trapped was in 2001. Blackstone Cherry is 2008. Okay. No, 2006. I'm sorry. Blackstone Cherry self-titled album 2006. All right. Then they came out in 2008 with Folklore and Superstition. Great album. Yeah. And then um, 2011 came out with Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. Great album. Yeah. Um, I would argue they're probably one of those bands that have been around forever, had a great career. A lot of people know them, but a lot of people don't. Yeah, I would agree. I would, okay, I would agree with that. But I guess, so hold on. Let's go back to, let's say you're Blackstone Cherry. Bush. I just saw them in concert, and you want to talk about a guy putting on an amazing Amazing concert? show. I've seen him. He does a great show. I was up in Milwaukee. He jumped off the stage. He ran all the way to the back. Yep. And he ran upstairs, yep, up on, yep, and swung Did the same around. Same thing in the yeah. one I saw. Okay, so yeah, he was with Lifehouse and Daughtry, and we saw them a number of years ago, and he did the same thing. Okay, I okay. think it's just their shtick. I, right? I, I'm in, but no, it, but on a good show, great. Uh, so what I was going to say is, do you want to have to put on that many tours and spend that much time in a studio, even though you love it, but not make that much money, or one one year you blow it out? And you just make a boatload of money I that one I, year. No, I, I, I still you think you go longevity. Goo Goo Dolls, that's another one. Don't you dare. They are amazing. They, I <laughs> don't disagree, but I think they've had way, a long career based on than four or five songs. Yeah, think right. about it. You're probably right. Yeah, they've put a lot of albums. Yeah. But have they had number one hits? No. 
No. Right? No. I mean, that's... I'll give you that one. Dang. I don't want to. They haven't really come out with anything new. No. All right. Really haven't. Um, okay, I got a couple more. Yeah. And we wrap this up. This oh, went hold way on. longer. I know. I'm sorry. Wait, wait. We expect. got one more. Oh, we wait, got one we more whiskey. More? Oh, shit. So we've. this Damn is it. the Old Fitzgerald. Seven. Oh, this is your $700 bottle well, of whiskey. Again, so retail was only like $150. Mm. Well, while you're doing that, yeah. Bad Company. Yeah. Bad Company has had two lead singers in their time. Um, I didn't know that. I thought they just had one. I like Bad Company. Again, that's one of those bands that I think maybe, oh, you filled me all the way up there. Oh. You're not going to have <laughs> it again. That's what she said. You're no, not, come on. You're not going to have it again. <laughs> come on. How could you? Cheers. Cheers. How could you not? Were you too focused on I your, was too focused. Oh, I was making sure I poured some for me. Come on. You know that was a, that's what she said. Oh. Wow. Would you throw it all the way back? I did not. I went from 87 to 111. No, it's 100. Oh, no, there's only 100 oh, bottle and bottle. Oh, the, the other one, the, the Wathens was 111. All right. So to round out, I'm not going to name them, but Yes has had multiple lead singers. Yeah. Kansas has had multiple lead singers. Okay. Asia has had multiple lead singers. Yes. Any I'm missing. Those were just, I mean, we've talked about a lot of different bands. I know. A lot of different lead singers. Um I was actually on, um, I was on a website. I forget what website it was. And they asked questions at the bottom, like, hey, any of the, and I found a few of these, like Kansas, Asia, yes. They had they had broken up. Deep Purple oh, yeah. was another one that had multiple lead singers. We didn't touch on that one. But a lot of the older bands, I think it's less prevalent now. What would happen? I'm hypothetical. Yeah. Can you see bands like Nickelback having another lead singer? No. I think they would just stop. Stop to exist. Right. Because I think now... Shine Down. Could you think of anybody else doing Shine Down other than Brent Smith? No. No. And I think that's the difference today, right? Everything's so commercialized. Well, hold on, hold on. Bad Wolves did it, and they're, I mean, they're I know. not those two bands, though. Oh, so are you saying that if you have a I'm large. Top tier. Top tier, tier large class. body of work. Out of the class. Okay. okay. 30 Seconds to Mars. No, well, Could anybody Jesus, other no. than Jared Leto no. do 30 no. Seconds to Mars? No. No. Okay. You got another so, one? Yeah. So, no, but hold that thought. Okay. So I'm going to name some of these bands that maybe were at the time head of their class. ACDC. Yeah. Genesis. Yeah. Van Halen. Van Halen. I was again. Iron Maiden. Live. Sticks. Pink Floyd. Rage Against the Machine. Sublime. Three Days Grace. Think about it. We can't possibly fathom that these bands today would change lead singers. But those guys did after multiple albums. I just don't see it working out. Is it? Di Why is it different today than it was back then? Then, 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 then. You know. Why? Think about this for a second. Is it because of social media? No, I think it's technology and people have so much opportunity that they can. Whereas back then they didn't. Do they form new bands instead of replacing somebody because of... Because there is that opportunity to form a new band. I think, yeah, I think there's there's a couple different things. Technology has allowed more people to start picking up guitars, mixing music, uh, stick a microphone in front of their face. I mean, I think it's just like any of the other uh, sports stars that are coming out. They just have more access. 
And so now, because all these bands have, whether it's podcasts, whether they're able to play on YouTube or put their music out on Spotify or wherever else, you're able to hear right away whether or not that person is good or not. And whereas back in the day, we didn't have the internet, first off. Second off, you had to go find those people. Sorry to interrupt. Here's the other thing that they do. They do featuring now, right? Like, like featured artist, on, right? On so those they'll platforms. do. So they'll do. This band puts out a song, yeah, featuring this artist. So rather than putting in um, a replacement, sure, they'll they'll do X band X song featuring Jacoby Shaddix. Yeah. Okay. Right? Okay. He's a songwriter, rapper, TV presenter. He's been in. He just popped in, but. He's in Papa Roach. But think of all the songs that he's been on. He's He features in a lot of other bands. Yes. He doesn't take those bands over. He doesn't leave his band. By the way, I, I, I don't know if you saw this. His 18-year-old son just came on stage and, and sang with him. So I did not. Yeah. I'll have to look that up Check on that YouTube. out. Yeah. Um, by the way, he's awesome. I Yeah. He's awesome. I'd love to get him on here. He's six years younger than me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck. But they've been around for 25 years. Yeah. They've been doing it since... That would be another one, Blackstone Cherry and Papa Roach. I think they're in that same class. I don't think they get enough credit. I'm going to say it again. No. I don't think Blackstone Cherry gets enough credit. If you don't like Southern Rock, go fuck yourself. (laughs) I agree. There's another band. I don't know if you've checked them out. I'd I'd like to feature them someday on this this podcast down the road. Not now. Six, 12 months, whatever, a year. Um, Year and a half. Dirty Honey. Oh, yeah. Good band. Really good shit. Not hard rock, not rock and roll. Southern, Southern rock, yeah. but super smooth. Yeah. Like, and I, so I like them so much when I've got a t-shirt, one of my favorite t-shirts is Dirty Honey. <laughs> so good. I do like that. So good. But we've been doing this a lot longer than I expected. Yeah, no worries. We got to get the hell out of here. Uh, but until next time. Uh, cheers, cheers, guys. All right. Thank you. See you, bud.